Would you call yourself a socialist? Uh, no. You've never told a lie in politics? No. No. See, somebody sent me a video actually last Friday and it had you talking at the Socialist Community oh, Court. Yes, yes. And you mentioned the word comrade uh, about four times in a minute. What was that about? It was a rally and I would have been about 25 years old. Comrade, 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 comrade. Good morning and welcome to the podcast. My name is Grant Edwards and you're listening to Liberty NZ. Well, my thoughts this morning before I introduce uh, my next guest, Shane Chafin, uh, is that, um, well, I had a very pleasant dream. I had a very pleasant dream this week. I dreamt that Cindy and all her collaborating political leaders had been arrested by the People's Constabulary, and that was made up of uh, resigning police and military personnel. But my thoughts have been this week, and not long after I started to think like this, uh, I think it was um, about Wednesday, I had a call from Shane Chafin about a letter that he's received from the Pharmacy Council. But just getting back to my thoughts, once we get our country back and the perpetrators and the collaborators are tried and executed for their part in this genocide, which we're experiencing right now, we need to abolish all governing bodies, such as iwi so-called, the Law Society, Federated Farmers, the Medical Council, the Nurses Guild and the Pharmacy Council. And those types of organisations which uh, have turned out to be just tools of the government. Uh, because they've been infiltrated by the globalist communists. And if you're a suitably qualified um, professional, a lawyer or a doctor, for example, you need only front up in, your new, in a new town or city that you've moved to and present your credentials to the police. They'll check you out. And if you all check out, you're able to practice in that city or town without having to join and pay an annual fee to some guild or council. Any misconduct would be reported to the constabulary, which Brad Flutie's talk, talked about, that we need a people's constabulary, and handled through the common law court. Now, courts would be freed up because uh, there would be no more traffic and parking infringements, including speeding tickets or driving without a registration, warrant of fitness or a driver's license. Uh, they're just forms of taxation. Licensing would only apply to professional drivers, not private citizens going about their day. Charges could only be laid if damage, injury or death occurred. Otherwise you're free to travel on the roads at whatever speed you think is safe uh, and just look out for the other person. We'd need a written constitution and it would need to be carefully drafted and that it would need to treat all citizens of New Zealand, regardless of nationality, equally under the law. Now with councils, there would be no more building permits required, just an annual fee for water, sewer, rubbish collection and maintenance of publicly owned roads, parks and grounds. Now, okay, if your building fell over, let's say that, if your building fell over and people were injured or killed because it wasn't built 
safely and you didn't seek proper advice. Well, you'd be dealt with uh, fairly but firmly in a common law court. The punishment would be fair yet harsh for serious damage, loss, injury or death. If you're a business owner you would, and you're open to the public, you must accept all of the public, regardless of whether they're vaxxed or unvaxxed, and you can't dictate to people what they wear over their mouth. That's my idea of New Zealand. Now, and I, I wrote these thoughts last week and posted them to a few friends, and one of them was Shane Chafin. Shane is a DC board certified pharmacist from uh, Cincinnati. He's living here in New Zealand with his family, and uh, Shane has been, um, he has sacrificed his career as a pharmacist, and he's a clinical pharmacist, and uh, because he's not happy with what's happening uh, in, uh, in pharmacy, and in fact in medicine and science uh, altogether. And Shane's going to come on and explain to us what's happened to him this week, because I'm saying that all these councils and guilds should be banned and that if you are suitably qualified, you just front up to the police and you present your credentials and then you practice. And no one can stop you unless, and, unless there have been uh, proper bona fide complaints against you and then it will be dealt with in a, in, a, in, the, uh, in a common law court, as it should be, where you get to hear your accusers and you get to defend yourself properly. No more guilds, no more self-regulating guilds which are manipulating the people they're supposed to represent on behalf of government. And that's what we're seeing happening right now. And even the Real Estate Institute, they, they're doing the same. In fact, the Real Estate Institute used to be a self-governing. Uh, I don't think you need a, an institute. I think that if you're qualified as a, to sell a property, uh, you've done all your, um, you've got your qualifications, that's it. And if you do something wrong, you're dealt with in a common law court. You don't need some governing body. And right now we've got the government actually running the REA, I think, REAA, I think it's called. And, so, and that's not good for the end user. That's not good for the buyers or the sellers. But getting back to professionals, doctors, lawyers, chemists, that sort of thing, um, Shane got a letter this week, and uh, Shane's going to come on in a moment and explain to us um, he got uh, this letter that he's received in the mail or by email and uh, what it means and uh, and what's behind it so good morning shane welcome to the program good morning good uh, uh good introduction there too part <laughs> of the issues that we're facing now in uh, 2021 2022 and part of 2020 when the world seemingly changed and something in the political atmosphere was connected around the world because as we've seen uh, people like peter mccullough um, ex-Pfizer Vice President Michael Yeadon, uh, Robert Malone, and people such as that are, have become come under attack for clinical opinions and expertise in opinions of expertise in their area, and sometimes not opinions, but actual facts, fact-based studies that were very well done that they reach these conclusions that only one of reasonable mind and training could reach, and and it's important to point out that these were the experts in their fields, more cited than most people in their fields, uh, more studies than most people in their fields, just the experts of experts. And after COVID came, 
these people who were pointing these things out. Another, another one, uh, a fact checker of studies, John P.A. Leonidas out of Stanford University in the U.S., became these pariahs and were attacked by media and government alike, going after their professional credentials, going after their jobs, uh, going after their incomes, their families. It seems to be more like what we would see in a dictatorship such as Nazi Germany or uh, communist Russia than what we would see in the West. So what is rolling out now shouldn't, shouldn't be a surprise after the, the last two years that we've had that anybody who speaks out against the government line is then gone after. And I haven't heard them roll it out, but I'm waiting and maybe I've missed it. I think there was possibly, I think it was Dr. If it's Dr. Conlin, as I recall, they were looking for a psychological evaluation of this gentleman because anyone who goes against the narrative is now seen to be as just crazy. Like even if you have evidence, even if you have multiple studies, even if you have other experts in the field who agree with you, even if you're one of the top experts in your field, then you're then seen to be as somebody who is mentally deficient because you don't agree with the common narrative and the common narrative is pushed by the government from the quote single podium of truth. And that's right there at that point is what activated me when I heard Jacinda Ardern say that she was only you could go there and find, find the truth where this the, on the podium of truth, the single source. Well, that's just absurd. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it smacks to, well, why did I go to university and study for nine plus years? Why did I get board certified when most pharmacists don't, can't get board certified? The 14% of pharmacists in the U.S. and almost half of the people who take my, the exam, 40% plus given the year, fail the exam. It's a five-hour exam. People don't take it because it's very challenging. So I'm one of the, the top experts in the area of medicines. And when I go out and ask Jacinda Ardern a question in this regard, because you know she she panned herself as the single source of truth, her podium. So I find it where she's speaking and ask the the single source of truth some questions, and some pretty good questions, not not you know hard hard hitting questions, just questions that are there from any health professional should be. And what I get back from that is a email. From the pharmacy council stating because i've asked her those questions they're very concerned about my ability to practice pharmacy in a safe manner this is just absolutely a political hit there's no way to get around it and they've not really played that fair with this and i knew that if we go through this process that the pharmacy council has laid out the pharmacy council itself first does an assessment in, a, in an area called quote compliance now Compliance is an interesting way to title a department. Compliance, that sounds dictatorial in its own right. Now, the pharmacy council, the, the nursing council, and the medical councils, these councils, somebody said to me recently that they thought they were set up to help support those professionals, but they actually aren't. They say their, their purposes are to protect the public from these professionals which we're again back to involving government in something that it really does not have a role in. If a person graduates with a degree in that area, it's, it's a bit suspect of why 
a state entity would then have to say, I know you went through all these years of education and you learned all this. You got good enough grades. The, the university or the academic institution gave you a pass. Now, now you have to get our permission to go and do. If you can't do that after you go through all that, I'm not sure what the academics and the universities are for then. Yeah. Because they should just push it back to there and say, well, if these people graduate, then they're good to go as long as they're not breaking the law or a true threat in their practice. Now, when we go back to the situation that not just myself, doctors and some nurses, midwives have found themselves in, when they mentioned politics or questioning a politician somehow affects my level of understanding of clinical situations with patients, that's an absurdity. Yeah. And, and I asked questions. I didn't make statements and questions too much. I, sa I said, what is the infection fatality rate for COVID? And I said, the, the vaccines are currently failing in Israel, which they were. That's why they had to roll out a booster. So why are you pushing them onto the New Zealand public? I mean, this is a legitimate medical question that anyone with anywhere with a health degree should say, oh, actually, you know, that's reasonable to ask. What is this person doing? Why are they doing this? I've got that recording, Shane. I oh, wonder if we should yeah. play it for our listeners. Sure. We, at Kawakawa back in, I think it was November, wasn't it? November 2nd, yes. Yep. And what I'd say is that we're all actually completely on the same page when it comes to driving vaccinations and making sure that we're doing everything that we can to reach people that we need to. Why is this is an issue of... This is an issue... Sir, I'm going to ask... I'm going to answer the questions of the accredited media. Sir, I will shut down the press conference if you do not cease. Sorry, to our accredited members of uh, the gallery here, we might move to an inside venue. Unfortunately, we've got someone who's disrupting your press conference today, so we might reconvene. Thank you. Can we use the facility here? Yeah, so there it is. Do you know whether or not it's open? Pretty good, good questions, Shane. Yeah, so, so not anywhere out of bounds. If, if if you look at medical professionals and that those weren't just questions that I was asked those were questions that other people were asking as well, mm. other healthcare professionals. And I don't know who the all she was talking about is, you know, she's got a degree in communications and she made an all in the statement. We are all, I don't know who the all is. Maybe we're all on the same page. Mm. Yeah. All on the same page, but that's just, just, that's just a lie. That's not, mm. not everyone is on the same page. Possibly she was speaking about certain entities, but making an honest statement like that, you set yourself up and she should have known that for somebody who is there. Maybe she expected no one to question her because how could you question the great queen of New Zealand that that a professional would show up and say, actually, you know, we might not all be on the same page if you can't answer these questions well. And what did she do? She tucked tail and went and turned and ran. I mean, she got away. I, she, she had to go to the bathroom is what I yeah, recall her saying. Through, straight for the toilet. <clears throat> yeah, because she, and that just sounds like an indica indication that she got caught out and mm. her uh, possibly she was in sort of that fight or flight mode and <laughs> that's what kicked in for her. And she also wanted the, the news media to edit, out, edit you out. She did. She mm. she asked them to, you know, if you want to record that and re-record, that would yeah. be great. Because the, in the media, I mean, they've been paid 
lots of money, millions and millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars. Mm. And I've heard people like David Fisher of the New Zealand Herald say, oh, no one's ever told me what to write. That may be true, but I'm sure there's an expectation and he knows what that might be. And this is, mm. this is typical throughout the world. We're talking about press in Germany and the UK and the US. Uh, this isn't anything that we don't know. If they're just hiring people who are on the same page, that's another issue. There's no diversity in the media. But what we do know is there hasn't been any large kickback against everything the government's doing. When the government rolled out Ashley Bloomfield and just kept recycling this guy until you know he just got worn and, uh, worn and torn, what happened after that was there was some criticism because they, they rolled out Susie Wales. Now, she's an issue because she's not actually a healthcare provider. She has, does have an expertise in microbiology, but she's not a healthcare provider. And she's giving, actually, health advice as a non-healthcare provider, and no one's stopping her from doing that. So you say, well, you know, there, maybe there's no governing organization, which that may be true, and that's, that's to her advantage, where for us it's not. However, that didn't work either because people such as myself and others said, well, She's not an epidemiologist and neither is this gentleman. And from all the Official Information Act requests that were put in, what we see is a lot of those returned with we follow the World Health Organization, we follow the CDC. So there's no one locally doing that in New Zealand. And, and it was seemingly to be ran offshore. Well, they didn't like that. So they set up this committee of the chosen because they chose all these people to go on this review committee. And then all of a sudden, the review committee just happens to be agreeing almost all the time that we can see, at least, with exactly what the government says. So this is just kabuki theater. There's nothing, there's seemingly nothing in reality going on here. And we can speak to this currently with rapid antigen testing, because that's the narrative they want to push. I watched what looked a bit like a propaganda session the other day where some person who I still don't know who it was, was up there with Ashley Bloomfield, some minister, and they were talking about rapid antigen testing. And then the media seemed to go after him about rapid antigen testing. But what it did was it, it guided the narrative around rapid antigen testing, which makes it seemingly legit that you would test for Omicron, even though they had just stated earlier that Omicron isn't a big threat. It's very mild. They said, oh, we're just trying to save the healthcare system. But what they also said was that during that press conference, the unknown person, she said that Delta, uh, excuse me, Omicron has a 10, time, 10 times less of a hospital admissions rate than Delta does. So Omicron, much less of a threat. And they said, well, it's more transmissible, but it's 10 times, you're 10 times less likely to be admitted to a hospital. So they wanted that rapid antigen test, rapid antigen test, because that helps guide their narrative. So in other parts of the world, we've seen, they say, people die with Omicron. I haven't seen any reports yet that say someone died from Omicron. And out of South Africa, we know that they kept track of their hospitalization rate. And it didn't change during Omicron. They reported that. And they said, you know, it's mild. You get some muscle aches. You get some tiredness, maybe some sniffles. That's what they reported. And you recovered two to three days. So now to push the rapid antigen testing, Rap, rap, rapid antigen testing, on and on and on. Just uh, 
it hypes up everything to a level that's it's just not needed because then they make the fear-based comment that we're going to overwhelm the healthcare system when they've just said 10 times less than Omicron. Is it 10 times more contagious than Omicron? Because if it's 10 times more contagious, sorry, than Delta, if it's 10 times more contagious than Delta, that means we won't see an increase in hospital admissions in New Zealand. So there's some questions they get up there and talk, but they just don't answer. And they say, oh, you know, out of an abundance of caution is, is a really good line they like to use when they're caught out. So this is the current state that we're in. And anyone speaking out who they have power over, they believe they have power over, to go and take away their ability to practice or come against with one of these organizational bodies that they call a council, those people are used as a government whip to enslave those people in their practice. We will take away your ability to thrive and survive if you don't do what we say. Actually, mm. probably not what they say. My guess is this is all politics. Yeah. And the council in that letter said, yeah, we just don't have the ability. We're too inept, basically, to figure out if this actually violates anything. So we're going to turn it over to somebody else and have them look at it and do investigations because we don't have the authority or the power to do that. Well, this is just, this is just ratcheting it up. Now, what they don't say is there's a tribunal after that piece. That tribunal is handpicked by Andrew Little. The, the chair of it is handpicked by Andrew Little, rather. Oh, you're and kidding. then that person picks the people who will participate in the tribunal. So it's literally a Politburo political hit. I mean, this do, you, do you feel like Martin Luther, the council of worms? <laughs> it's, well, it, there is a bit of that to that. I, I wouldn't align mm. myself up with uh, Martin no, Luther to be sure. But it's like you, it's like an inquisition, isn't it? It is. And it's, and again, I have to go back to, it's not just me. It's, it's the Bailey's and all these other doctors um, who've come out, some of them early on who have taken the brunt of this as well. And just been just smeared out in the press for, and again, for just having a, an opinion in expertise different from what they're allowed to have. Hmm. That's what it is. And I, it's, it's extremely important to point out in my case that none of these complaints that came to the pharmacy council, and they were a myriad of complaints, uh, having some having nothing to do with what happened came after on or after November 2nd. So I was great as a pharmacist and as a clinician and as a board certified clinician before November 2nd. But after I questioned the snow queen, Mm. then that's when it came in. This is the same with all of the doctors all over the world. They were brilliant, you know, award winning and then all of a sudden, when COVID came out and they said, oh, no, we, we don't agree with this rollout, they're all of a sudden now bad, bad, you know, bad people. Yes. You know, m- mental cases. And um, they're just slandering the whole, the media are, are, are the main tool. They just slander anyone against the narrative. Um, Daker just said that the word um, council, uh, the Russian word for council is Soviet. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. I didn't know that either. So you've got a letter from the council, from the Soviets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the backstory to this is um, 
I was yeah. the pharmacy council in itself it was a split council. There was a wonderful human being named Pam Duncan who worked there. She's extremely innovative. Now, the way that the health system works here is that uh, parts of it uh, are in lack. So that's the general practice practitioners. There's not enough general practitioners to go around. So what they did, what I decided that I'd like to do, because I worked for a DHB at the time, is to develop a new role for pharmacy, pharmacists, that they would become clinicians, that they right. would up their skills past what the current level of even their prescribing pharmacists were. So I worked with the pharmacy council with Pam Duncan, who's uh, since passed on, and to create a new role called an advanced generalist pharmacist practitioner, where you can go and you can do physical assessments. You are trained by the a certain specific pick, uh, staff around you, it's approved. They sign off on all your procedures. I was a pharmacist who did blood draws. I was a pharmacist who listened to people's lungs and looked in their ears and did clinical triage. It's not something that's there. So when the pharmacy council comes out against me, they're actually coming out against somebody they trained to operate at one of the highest levels that they have in all of New Zealand that worked uh, in conjunction with them and the DHB and general practice to create a, uh, a workforce that could go in and support general practitioners in what they did because there just aren't enough of them. So when they come out in this way, they're coming out against not just an, uh, an expert with a board certification, but someone that they actually helped pass along into these into the, the upper echelon of pharmacy that it, as it exists in New Zealand and practice in ways that um, helped and did workforce development in pharmacy who established uh, a, a group of clinical pharmacists looking to become advanced practitioners that still exist to this day. Um, and that's, that's the motivation here was to, uh, to help the healthcare system. And, and this, is the, this is the individual that they're attacking, <clears throat> somebody that they supported in the past. Now, I say it's split because there's two sides of it. There's a side that is uh, very seemingly controlled and by whatever the powers that be, and they try to keep a, a stranglehold on the practice of pharmacy. And there's another side that's very innovative and pushes that forward. There still are some of those people within the council. But uh, as I look at this, these compliance officers, compliance, and these sort of folks, I, uh, most of them aren't pharmacists. And I, and even the, and, and I have, have an appreciation for the guy. He seems like a decent guy, Michael Pete, who's the head of the pharmacy council. He's not a pharmacist either, is my understanding. So when you look at that, you go, well, this is just, this isn't really the Pharmacy Society of, of New Zealand. This isn't PSN. This is a government entity con appointed by, uh, they are all appointed. So there has to be a proposal. And then the current government that's in has to approve these people before they can sit at the Pharmacy Council. So these are all political appointees. This mm -hmm. is, it's and, all under statute, isn't it? The yeah, and they're from academia. Yeah, and they're from academia and, you know, uh, the sector. So it's all of the people who are in, you know, sort of in club. And it's mm -hmm. not going to be people who have these sort of dissenting opinions. Usually there are some people from the greater uh, community that get to go in there and do a bit of work. But the appointees, the higher ups uh, um, were from academia or non-pharmacy roles even. So to say this represents pharmacy is not true, even though they use pharmacy council, they should take that out of their name because it's it's disingenuous and it fools the public into thinking that these people are actually pharmacists or healthcare <laughs> providers are for them, those people, but they're actually not. They say they're. Yeah, that's what I imagine. 
I yep. imagine it's a group of pharmacists and you're working together for the for the greater good. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's couldn't, be, couldn't be mm. further from the yeah. truth. Yeah. So today I've also filed an Official Information Act request and I've asked the Pharmacy Council for all information regarding the uh, persecuted pharmacist, politically persecuted pharmacist, Shane Chafin, mm-hmm. and um, whatever the communications to or with any employee agent associate of the crown or crown entities from the pharmacy council or any of its associates or agents or appointees. So we'll see uh, what they do with that and where that comes back. Because my true goal here is just to highlight the corruption that exists within the New Zealand government and its apparatchiks and its uh, specific entities. Because what we need to do is lose faith in the system. We need a new system because the system that is there is extremely corrupt and controlled and corrupt. And as uh, Grant Roberts, uh, just a panic from what I, what I remember of an interview on, what was that? I, I, it was Magic FM, if I've got the name. With Peter Williams. There you go, Peter Williams. And he was questioned about the world economic, literally just asking questions about the World Economic Forum and its influence on this government. And Grant Roberts said, that's a conspiracy theory. I think it's absurd that you're even bringing it up. But as we've gone back and we've listened to people like Klaus Schwab and we look on the World Economic Forum site, not even, no, excuse me, not the World Economic Forum, Global Young Leaders site, what do we see is one Jacinda Ardern there. Mm. Now, Jacinda Ardern is part of the Global Young Leaders and on their webpage, there is a statement, which I've screenshot in case they take it off, that says that their mission is aligned with the World Economic Forum. Yeah. So Grant Roberts is comes alive. out. Yeah. He's, uh, now, I don't know if he was meaning the specific subject that maybe Peter Williams was talking to, speaking with him about um, was a conspiracy theory. But he, to say that he the, the Great Reset, I think, Shane. He did. But so to say that the World Economic Forum doesn't have influence in New Zealand through Jacinda Ardern, who is a global young leader who has their mission specifically aligned with that per their own website. I think what we're seeing that seeing is this play out now back in the United States when uh, the Affordable Care Act known as Obamacare came in, there were documents that were found. <clears throat> that were I won't I, they weren't leaked out they were just publicly available and if one went and read through that what they said was if you didn't agree with the Affordable Care Act as a clinician and these were specifically speaking about doctors there were there was language in there that before that time had never been heard and it said those doctors are quote not to be tolerated now how can a government the United States, any government, come against the clinical opinion of a professional, a healthcare professional, who has been credentialed, who has been licensed. But if they say the wrong thing against the Affordable Care Act, then they are, quote, not to be tolerated. That was a message to the CEOs that those people were to be gotten rid of. That's exactly what that was. Now, they've upped it in the COVID era, it's seemingly the same message is going out. If, if there's any healthcare practitioner who disagrees with the narrative of whatever's being pushed from whatever place, and we know this one just falls on its face over and over again, those people are not to be tolerated. And that's, and that's what we see with the Sue Grays who, I mean, she's a professional who they came after her, her license. She's had to respond to all that with the complaints, just like I'm doing, although I'm not responding and um, with, uh, Bailey's and I'm and I apologize, but I'm forgetting the the chap who came out first and he sent a text out and he, he was in Wellington in practice and they just went after him tooth and nail as well. 
and these are the people we are now the people who will not who are not to be tolerated and that's what exists here because the pharmacy council isn't coming out and none of these councils are and saying well let's look at the the evidence that these people are speaking of they don't specifically speak to the studies they don't speak to the evidence-based medicine which they told us we should be following what they do is they speak to a government narrative and that's not the same thing and i've I've questioned this and to healthcare professionals and I've uh, directly and said, Hey, you're a nurse, you're a pharmacist. Tell me what you know about the infection fatality rate for COVID almost to a person. None of them knew what it was. None of them could name it. They couldn't name how dangerous COVID was. They only knew it was really dangerous because the government said so. And some of them actually said that I just do what, what the government tells me. and I take the vaccines because I've taken them before. Well, this isn't, these aren't thinking individuals. These aren't critical thinkers. These aren't clinical thinkers. And if they're in roles where they're expected to be clinical, I would say that's the dangerous person. Those are mm. the dangerous people. Mm. These rule followers instead of these critical and clinical thinkers, because I don't want them treating me. I want people who understand both sides of the issue, have sifted through the information and said, okay, this is probably what it is. Now, how do we work with the patient in front of me? Hmm. We're speaking with Shane Chafin. Shane is a DC board certified pharmacist. Uh, Shane, you're from Cincinnati. When we come back, I'd like you to tell me a little bit about uh, how you got involved in pharmacy and, um, and then you moved to New Zealand. And what, what was it? What, what was the critical um, thing that happened for you to say, hey, no, this is, this is wrong? If you could think about that for a minute and we'll be back in just a moment. If you look at the side effects of these things, blood clots, Myocarditis, inflammation of hearts, increase in miscarriages from 10 to 80% in the first trimester, increases in cancer, increases in autoimmune diseases, uh, ovarian dysfunction, most likely infertility. And that's not to mention the genocidal potential effect of antibody-dependent enhancement. Why the hell would you put that into a child when they have a 100% near 100% chance of recovery from an from infection that is safer than influenza virus? That that is the that is just beggar's belief, doesn't it, Shane? Yeah, that's that, um, that we're putting this. Yeah, Zelenko. He treated uh, Trump, didn't he? He did in the early yeah. days. Yeah, and consulted with um, uh, other world leaders as well. Spoke to, uh, I believe it was a, a Hasidic council in Israel, and uh, much a proponent of of really good evidence based medicine out that's come out as we've gone through. When he initially mm-hmm. he was just saying this is in my experience, these are my pa- the patients that I've treated, and this is what I've seen. But as it's gone on, we've gotten much more information, specifically with randomized control trials and also some epidemiological surveys and studies that have come through to say that you know he is right. And now, going back with him speaking about the children, well, children, uh, according to Michael Baker early on, when the vaccine rollout was being considered for 5 to 11-year-olds, as well as Many other people who are sort of in the in the government camp, what they said is, you know, children don't get very uh, severe illness from and this is before Omicron from mm. COVID. Uh, almost no, none of them get severe. Illness, none of them die unless they're really, really sick from something else that they're likely to perish or pass from anyway. Unfortunately, uh, that the children, they just don't get it and they don't pass it on is what Michael Baker said. However, he said children should get vaccinated, and here comes the mythos, 
and here's what they do when they don't actually have a a substantive edge to push as he said that we should get children vaccinated because of long haul covid in younger people and he said there's quote some evidence that that might that that exists out there so he's basing a me- people receiving a medical procedure on a s- possibility that this is happening of some evidence this is just unheard of if the, if there is an epidemiologist in New Zealand uh, and Rod Jackson's right behind this guy who is guilty of crimes medically it is absolutely 100% Michael Baker and and I get he's a laughing stock in New Zealand I mean not many people trust that guy anymore and I know they roll him out, but he doesn't get a whole lot. He's like CNN in the States. Like they seem to have a big name, but nobody really trusts them or watch them. They roll out him and Pinky. Oh, Lord. That's all and we get. And they got rid of Pinky for a while. And mm. you thought, well, you know, good for you because you need somebody with uh, more prominence and better credentialing. And they seem to, now they picked random epidemiologists and, I, I don't know what happened to the random epidemiologists because they sort of put were putting Baker in the back for a while, and I haven't heard from Rod Jackson in a while. And then all of a sudden, I saw them pick somebody from Australia and somebody from the United States in Oregon who is not an epidemiologist, who is actually not even a healthcare provider. And the media is starting to quote this guy on statistics. Now we have biostatisticians, and if you are an epidemiologist, usually your biostatistician is linked with that, with, linked with the practice of epidemiology. And they didn't even roll out an epidemiologist. They got some math engineering professor. And you go, well, now we're just in the land of absurdity. They're quoting people who aren't even healthcare providers, who who can't even get into, who can't even interpret what they're seeing. The bigger absurdity is this guy said that if you that there was a seven and a half percent, uh, seven and a half times likelihood that you would catch COVID if you were unvaccinated per hospital admissions, I believe, for COVID is what he was doing. and But if we looked at it, the likelihood, he said, of catching COVID if you're undervaccinated was 0.0034% per thousand. Yeah. Mm. Come on. I mean, that mm. that is an indictment of his of his statement right there of COVID, of what they're, they're trying to roll out. But child, going back to the children with this, the children just don't need this vaccine. I've said this from the beginning. Anyone under 30 probably doesn't need this unless you're immunocompromised in some manner. There's no reason to get this. You're not going to you're not going to get sick, get very sick. You're not going to pass on. And this is this, these are also statements from Prime Minister as well as Ashley Bloomfield. First, they said, you know, you're not going to get sick and you're not going to die. And then they came back and said, oh, OK, you'll still get sick, but you won't die. And then they said. Uh, I believe Ashley Bloomfield's quote was, you know, somewhat counterintuitively, you you'll see more people getting sick and being and, and dying. So when I hear about children being subjected to this vaccine and and mask wearing, which is absolutely absurd for these yeah. kids either, we've just seen from I think it was Great Britain TV or GBTV, uh, we had a presenter, somebody who works for them who was a younger person who had gotten out of school not too long ago. And she broke down on air around what these measures were doing to young people and how damaged they were because of this, that that went viral. So now New Zealand has, has seen that even though there's been mass studies for decades out of England that stated that there's no effect on pathogen transmission and sometimes it actually makes it worse uh, by wearing masks, and this is where an operator, operating theater. 
So we knew that for decades. The U.S. Navy did a, a study in Texas in a county before they put the mask mandate and after and looked at things like hospital admissions and death. And what they found were that there was no difference at all. So now these... I've heard that too. And now we look at New Zealand and it's all about PPE seemingly. Mm. Well, PPE has to be purchased. So it's rapid antigen test, which is from, I think if I got it right, Siemens was maybe the accent, maybe I didn't catch the accent right. I think it was Siemens and Abbott mm. and Roche Pharmaceuticals. So yeah. we still have the, the New Zealand um, government, uh, Roche and big pharma sales representatives of the year. Yeah, there are government ticket. Mm. Yeah. Well, they've, they've, they've out, outlawed the bandana and cloth mask. You have to have a an expensive one, or well, you my, know, a medical one. My understanding is, um, from what's being reported, at least in the press, because I was looking through the website and it, it's not clear, but you can still wear a face shield. But the idea oh, that just into our just specifically said the reason they're going away from these bandanas and things like that is because they want a good fit uh, across the nose and, you know, so something that seals, but then she also says, but, uh, or the media at least reports, but you can't have a face shield, which doesn't do that. So they're even inconsistent in what they're rolling out in the, what mm. I'm going to call red light plus uh, sort of protocols. They're not even consistent here. And, and that just tells us that what we're seeing isn't real for whatever reason, this, this is all farce. Now, is COVID real? Before anybody comes out and says, I said that, I, I said that, that's not true. And if you paid attention to my words just, what I said was infection fatality rate previously on this, mm. on this program. Infection fatality rate means that somebody's being infected. Well, they have to be being infected by something. So if that's your narrative that you're going to push that I'm an anti-COVID person, don't believe it doesn't believe it exists. Well, you're just being dishonest there because I do believe it exists. And I, there's, from the last minute, previous administration in the United States, they believe it, it's a bioweapon, and that's from a, a, a previous uh, Secretary of State, as well as, I think, the Director of National Intelligence, who said mm. that, in their opinion, from what they've seen, that they believe that came out of Wuhan. We now have Peter Daszak's information that came out, and recently, what we're going to call the COVID Pentagon Papers, just recently that were released that said Anthony Fauci was doing gain of function and he was involved in that. And that somebody in three or excuse me, the papers from the Pentagon itself have come out and stated that. So if they're real and people believe they are, they've looked through them, the experts and said, yeah, these are real. This is a release from the, from the department of defense. So I do believe that it is a real thing, but I don't believe it's what it's not even close to being what it's, uh, what it's said to be. And that's from studies early in 2022, April, May, actually. Mm. So uh, what we had, the infection fatality rates were very low, even confirmed by governor and disgraced governor of New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo, who point, who said it was a half percent. And that's with him putting recovering COVID patients by law into nursing homes with those vulnerable patients. That's how he got that, that death rate up in New York. So is it real? Yeah, it is. But is it what it's meant to be uh, said to be rather? No, I, I don't believe that's the case. Where do you yes. think it came from? I think just from anyone with a bit of common sense, mm. when you look at what happened with uh, um, it, the BSL-4 moving out of the United States because of, I think it's Francis Boyle's uh, legislation that was written up and passed that outlawed these this sort of 
experimentation in the United States because it's too dangerous. Well, then they just cast it out around the world, different BSL-4 labs. There was one reported recently to be in Kazakhstan. We knew that because of the uprising there, and they were afraid there was a release from it. So they named it. So they had one in Kazakhstan, apparently, and they had one in Wuhan. There used to be one in Beijing. I'm not sure it still exists there. And that's where the original SARS-1 cove was released. And they say accidentally released from there as well. And I think it was either 2003, 2005. And that's and we know that it was being experimented on. That's a reported to the WHO. The Chinese Communist Party admitted to doing that. So then we come to 2019 and there's another release, SARS-CoV-2. It's just another SARS virus. And there happens to be an institute of virology that's doing experimentation with the coronavirus. We know that through Peter Daszak's proposals. We know that he funded that. We know that he visited it. We know that he reviewed the release there and found him exonerated himself. As, you know, it's not from this Wuhan Institute of Virology. If, if somebody with common sense can look at that and say, one of the only parts of the world to have these BSL-4 labs who is doing coronavirus testing has and now it's come from that part of the world and they think it came from you know a farmer's market down the road i don't know what to tell those people i don't know what to say about that are you familiar with dr david martin uh, I, I know the name mm. he he says that alex azar is behind the whole thing he says that he's the boss he's fauci's boss he's the boss of the cdc we've never heard of him alex azar have you ever wow. heard of him yeah, that name's also familiar. Oh, now, right. but I don't know. I, I'm just not. Uh, if if I haven't looked into that side of mm. it, I just know what's been released from the Pentagon and what Peter Daszak's information came out with DARPA uh, mm. turning down his proposals to release spike proteins inside caves. And I think it was Nunan Province in China because it was too dangerous. They even said that. So yeah. what are we dealing with? Very similar situations now. So there's, we've seen that there's a, a huge backstory to what's happening. And we, now the evidence is coming out. It's being called out in uh, Senate committees in the United States. Those people like Rand Paul and oh, I can't think of the other guy's name. Um, but different senators are bringing this to, to bear onto these people. And the more information that comes out, the more we know. So that's, that's the likely place it came from. That's what I would say. Uh, a U.S. attorney, uh, I've just had this sent to me, U.S. attorney Lee Dundas. Um, this is just a very quick report from her. If, you, if you've got the time, Shane, we'll, we'll, sure. we'll listen to her. Yeah. Hey, folks, human rights attorney Lee Dundas here. We're at the U.S. Senate building in Washington, D.C. this Monday, January 24th. I just wanted to bring you a quick update on what is going on. Uh, attorney Tom Rents and I dropped a major bombshell today. Senator Ron Johnson, as you may be aware, uh, was kind enough to hold a, a hearing, a roundtable, uh, seeking data from world-renowned doctors uh, and other scientists, as well as attorneys on what is really going on with the COVID-19 uh, protocols, what kinds of things are they seeing in the hospitals, uh, what's really up with remdesivir, is it a kill shot, two out of one people, you know, one out of two people actually prescribed remdesivir die uh, in studies that they have done. So all of that data was getting put out on the table here. We joined uh, sort of a last minute addition because Tom Rents and I stumbled upon some really bombshell data coming out of the U.S. military from high-ranking officials there uh, that are acting as whistleblowers. What we are seeing is that in the five years leading up to the COVID-19 vaccination year of 2021, all diseases across the board in the military were about 1.7 million on average when you aggregated all the reports in the military of diseases across the board. 
Uh, and that includes the COVID 2020 year. There was no real jump that year in disease, despite the fact that we had COVID out there. But you introduced the vaccine in the beginning part of 2021, in January of 2021. And in the succeeding 10 months, that number uh, jumped from a five-year average of 1.7 million to nearly 22 million. It was a 20 million jump representing a more than 1,000% increase on diseases across the board. When you break down those diseases, when you start looking at esophageal cancer, congenital malformation, anxiety, you're seeing anywhere from 500 to almost 2,500% increases in that particular sector. This is horrifying. We need to get to the bottom of it. And we have asked uh, Senator Ron Johnson to work with his colleagues here in Washington, D.C., so that we can get these whistleblowers' uh, immunity and get their testimony on the record so that the full spectrum of what is going on there is actually known, so that we, the people, know it and so that Congress knows it. On a separate note, I want to give a shout-out to Canada right now. As you may have heard, they are under fire. Uh, their leader, Trudeau, decided in his infinite wisdom to stop all trucks from coming or going across the border if the truck drivers were not fully vaccinated. That was Saturday a week ago. And then Biden, because, of course, he's a friend of Trudeau, apparently, decided he would follow suit this last Saturday, January 22nd. Accordingly, uh, there's obviously more goods going into Canada from the U.S. than the other way, and this is deep freeze, deep winter for them. I will be done in just one minute. They are uh, making an island of Canada. So the Canadian truckers are fighting back. They are doing a convoy. West Coast, East Coast, North and South are converging on Ottawa this coming Saturday. We, the Americans, are supporting that. If you're a trucker, if you're a concerned mother, father, farmer, worker, retiree, please get in your car and go to one of these three border crossings. Hold Holton, Maine, Salt St. Marie, Michigan, or Sweetgrass, Montana. Again, that's Holton, Maine, Salt St. Marie, Michigan, Sweetgrass, Montana. It is Saturday, January 29th. We'll see you there noon Eastern time. You can get more data at freedomfighternation.org. I love you guys. Keep fighting your corner. Take care. That's Attorney Lee Dundas. That's good news. Good news, Shane. Um, back so, at home, so, what do you think of that? That's so Ron, jo that Ron Johnson is the other mm -hmm. senator that I was struggling to think of. Yeah. Uh, so he's been he's been playing a, a really good game very early on, exposing some of the injuries and injuries of a child that was in the Pfizer study uh, experimentation early on to figure out you know is this safe? And she couldn't walk; she's paralyzed for a while. She had to get fed through a feeding tube. And what did the what did Pfizer and her doctors come back and say? Psychological issues. Yeah. So there's their fallback, and the, and they eliminated her, and as far as her actual health conditions, and that's been highlighted and put out there as well. So, uh, so it's it's Thomas Renz is a is a Buckeye. He's from the the great state of Ohio. I think he's on the north coast, as they call. It. He's up near Lake Erie, hmm. and uh, Thomas Renz last week came out with th uh, well gave the names of three whistleblowers out of the Department of Defense who are healthcare providers stating and, and they stated all the injuries that they're seeing because of the vaccine that are just not being talked about almost covered up so uh, he's doing very good work over in the US and for the world in highlighting what what's going on with our soldiers over there and the injuries that uh, they're being they're being inflicted upon them by a mandate that they be vaccinated hmm um, the five-year-old rollout started Monday last week. Have you heard anything about that? Have you heard anything of any injuries? Well, the, the, I, what I've heard are, are 
at this point, you know, you'd have to call them rumors because there's no substantiated evidence. But I do recall there was no substantiated evidence with the rollout for the adults either, because there's a as um, Repeka, who I interviewed on Revolution Media New Zealand on Telegram, and you can find that uh, when she spoke, she spoke of a stigma attached to being vaccinated and being injured and that people just thought you were crazy and had psychological issues. If you said yeah. you took the vaccine and you became injured, I think mm. we're at a whole different level now because if we're talking about parents who believe they're doing the right thing and take their children out and they, and get them vaccinated and these children are injured, then you're dealing with a parent who has a lot of guilt on their hands. You'd have to be pretty yeah. pro vax to take your five year old in last week and have it vaccinated. Wouldn't you? You have to be pretty sure you're doing the right thing. You're not going to be anti-vax, are you? And and that's just what they believe. Uh, now, mm. if they believe the government propaganda, if they if they trust that, and they believe that they need to get their kids vaccinated because of what my, maybe what Michael Baker uh, you know rolled out there, which is just criminal as far as healthcare goes, and says you know there's some evidence of long haul COVID in children. If that's why they're you know maybe they thought they were doing the right thing, but the uh, poor outcome on that. And a damaged child or a dead child is not going to be something that a parent's going to want out want to come out mm. and speak about. We could barely get adults to come out. Thank God they've they've come out. The past three months, we've seen uh, we've seen some interviews. Uh, one of them from Counterspin, or two of them actually, because there was uh, Roy James Nairn in there as well. And uh, we've also seen some other uh, Chantel Baker. I think she's interviewed four people now. I interviewed yeah. Rebecca. She's so doing great work. So there's more and more people coming out and speaking of it now, but there's that stigma. And I think that's going to be a, a tough thing to fight. Uh, if we go to other countries like the U.S., then there's a lot of people who are just used to being vocal and speaking out against these things. Mm. So there's more people speaking out in, in there. Uh, myself, I had a 29-year-old cousin who was vaccinated, and he had a stroke, 29 years old. And they, yeah. they couldn't figure out why he had a stroke. There's, you know, they just couldn't couldn't determine what the cause was i had early on a 60 year old basically what we uh, we refer to as an aunt in states and she died of massive blood clots in her intestines and her lungs uh, less than three months after receiving a vaccination yeah so uh, i don't know anyone in the united states or my family who's reported me that they've actually died of covid though Mm. so those are just you know anecdotal Personal. You don't like to pry, do you? You know, like all these people I know that have, that have passed away, young, some of them not that old. You don't like prying into, you know, did, was, she, was she vaccinated? Was he vaccinated? Yeah. Do you? Well, there was a, um, a, a there was a firsthand account of a somebody on a beach who had had displayed this uh, this sort of fall over effect. Um, I shouldn't say first, a secondhand account of a, a fall over effect that we see with vaccination. Uh, just straight up to it. Now that wasn't, it could have been anything. So there was a healthcare provider who walked up and said, you know, what's going on. And they sort of went through it. And the healthcare provider said to the person who's take care of him, who happened to be a nurse uh, said, well, has this person been vaccinated recently? And the nurse immediately snapped back. It's not the vaccination. Now yeah, I don't know how, how they how would, would know that know? at that point. Would how mm. would she know? She's number yeah. one, she's not a diagnostician. And number two, there was no, blood work there was no clinical assessment there was just she collapsed and she was being assisted at that point mm. so there's this sort of reactionary piece to defend or a place to defend vaccination and it's it doesn't make any sense and what mm. we know from the studies early on is 
is that it wasn't well done, that there wasn't a phase three clinical safety study that was done as it should, which is over time, not numbers, which is what they all say. Oh, we had uh, sufficient numbers so we can project the future. Well, that's just nonsense. It's not how we work. Mm. Five that's to 10 the first, years. Isn't it? Yeah, that's Trump, you know, warp speed out there mm. promoting that garbage. So yeah. it's not how we do good medical scientific studies. That's not how it works. We don't do that, which is why originally to answer your question, that's why I came out against it because I said, we don't know enough about it. Now we, I've spoken on this before. We had H1N1 come out before we had 55 people die of it. And that's an ex CDC director or sorry, maybe FDA director who came out and spoke to that and 55 people died. They shut the entire program down for 55 people. Now in 2021, 2022, we have tens of thousands being reported from different places for uh, pharmacovigilance or surveillance mechanisms on these vaccines in the world. No one's shutting it down. They're just mm. keeping it rolling on and going into more populations like these younger people. And they're starting to talk about vaccinating small children, smaller children, not smaller than five. five. Yep. Yep. So they're just doing that. This is this is malfeasance on a level that has never been never been seen since Nazi Germany and Mengele. I mean, that's that's where I see at least in my 20 plus years being in the in and around the medical profession, never seen anything like this. And somebody would say, well, we've never had a pandemic. Well, that's not true. We had H1N1 come through as well. Mm. We've yeah, we've seen similar things with uh, similar infection fatality rates. We've just never seen the reactions from agencies that are supposed to protect us and governments like this before. That's, those are the things that have changed and the attitude of the healthcare provider has also changed at least in this country. Yeah. I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday. She has a friend uh, who was, she was in in the Starship hospital earlier this week, uh, last week. And uh, here's what she told me. A friend of mine's son was in Auckland hospital on Monday um, in the emergency room. And so Starship, and got transferred to Starship. And so in the bed next to them was um, a mother and a five-year-old son who had, um, well, he had heart issues until he had been vaxxed because they were talking about it. And one of the things they were going to do was just send him home with some paracetamol or ibuprofen or something, she said. But she didn't even want to intrude too much. So, yeah, he's just five years old. And, um, yeah, she was just there overnight with her son, some medical emergency, not vaccine-related because they're not vaxxed. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, just happening quietly all over. Mm. So that's, that's um, you know, it's anecdotal, but um, now this person is a close friend of mine and um, the lady she knows, uh, you know, I don't think she's anti-vax or anything like that, but I think it's happening, Shane. I think, um, but the other thing I've noticed is that, there seems to be a reluctance to vaccinate uh, the 5 to 11-year-olds. Certainly in, in the Northland area, they're saying that only half the clinics are offering it. And um, the government's saying that they haven't got the qualified people, but I wonder whether it's just people don't want to do it. Yeah, I, th- I think it was going to be a hard push. Uh, what I've heard just directly from people is, you know, it's okay if they want to come after me, but they won't, not my kids. So yeah, there's, yeah. It, it's it's a much harder gain with uh, five to 11 year olds. And mm. I don't know what they'd have to do to put that in there because they've, they've put you know, these propaganda sort of tools in school and they've had teachers and uh, they had a zoom meeting in one of the schools and the principal told everybody it was safe and effective, told all the children rather that it was safe and effective over the zoom meetings. However, 
during a, a conversation uh, by email with a parent, what he said to them was, well, yes, you know, vaccines are like safety belts and these sort of things. Like, you know, you're going to have some people who are going to be injured by it, but you're going to have more people who are benefit. So to the children, this principal, which is at Tyra Area School, it's Grant Burns, um, reportedly said to the students from what they've said, they've told me is that he said it was safe and effective. The vaccine was safe and effective. But what he's gone back to a concerned parent, which is what's been given to me is that actually some people will be injured, meaning, you know, uh, harmed or killed. But he's okay with, he's okay with that. Yeah, but he seems to be okay with that. That's a sacrifice he's willing to make. And so oh. it, you know, they're saying these two things that are incongruent, one to the students and one to this, uh, one to this concerned parent in the background who's taken their child out of that school. And mm. uh, recommendedly so if that's what they're saying, that, you know, it's okay. Some people will be injured. It's just... That's not on. And so what we see is this push, even institutionally, and um, I don't know if this is true, but uh, because I can't confirm it at this point, but they're looking for someone to an entertainer to go around to these schools and tour too. That's a possibility that they're doing that. And we've seen that roll out in different situations as well around the world where they use children's entertainment to then propagandize them into these things, uh, which, you know, these, these vaccinations, these, what Stefan Ulrich, who's a board member for Bayer pharmaceutical quoted, I'll quote him at, at the uh, world health summit in 2021, where he said, this was a cell gene therapy. Then it might say it was a vaccine, but he said cell gene therapy. That's what this vaccine is. And he said, he didn't think they'd be so popular except for the pandemic came along. So they're trying to introduce a cell gene therapy onto these, uh, children and uh, it's just unconscionable because michael baker has already you know sort of taken the wind out from himself and and their cause anyway saying yeah, they don't really need it because they're not going to get sick and they're not going to transmit they get really mm. sick and they're not going to transmit it so yeah i don't know uh how how they're going to push that Give me just a yeah um you were talking a little bit about um you know, children and ad, uh, there was an ad just sent to me this morning, an ad for from an agency on behalf of the the Minister of Health, Ministry of Health. Uh, you get five hundred dollars a day. You'd be an in, they're calling for entertainers for I think it's a fifteen to twenty minute entertainment, non musical. Uh, you you get five hundred dollars a day. They actually drive you up here to Northland, five hundred a day and eighty dollars for your hotel plus plus other expenses. And it's uh, from for one to six weeks, so I guess it's I'm not sure how it's going to go down. But you'd be entertaining children, uh, promoting the vaccine. Yeah, that's, that's the ad. That's, that's the ad I saw too. To, to. And and they're not even paying for the person's uh, the entirety of their their hotel bill either. That's interesting. But um, if, yeah, it's yeah, going to we'll, cost more than eighty bucks. Yeah, mm. so we'll have to watch and see if that actually rolls out up here, and then we can go back and confirm yeah. that uh, propagandized approach to what is seemingly a non-threat per studies to children or to... Yeah, it was a bona fide ad from an agency. That's what it looked to be when I read it as well. Mm. And the, mm. the the other issue that is they that when Ardern came out and said that she had to vaccinate certain parts of the sector that were vulnerable, she highlighted schools. And I couldn't understand that because we know children are not vulnerable they're not a vulnerable population. So I wasn't sure who she was talking about. So she vaccinated teachers. Hmm. And I thought, well, where did that come from? So there's, I do have questions around that. And uh, those, you know, she's never really spoken to it all that well to say where she got that information from that 
they, they needed to be vaccinated. So she's affected an entire sector and taken uh, quite a few teachers out of those schools and affected the children's lives in ways we're probably going to see with that G, that Great Britain TV um, uh, contributor. And we're probably going to see that happen with our children as well as this rolls yeah. out. She, she will affect their lives that adversely. We are. I spoke to Jess Breet and Bo Parai. Uh, she, uh, she's a Voices for Freedom advocate um, in Southland, and she's a farmer. Her and her husband are contract milkers, and I think they have like 1,300 cows. They milk it once or twice a day. She was at the park with her four-year-old. Four-year-old uh, wanted to play, but all the others had masks on in the park. And the child was having a, a bit of a tantrum uh, because Jasper wouldn't let the child wear her, her son wear a mask, and it yeah, wanted to wear a mask to be like all the others to yeah, go out there and play. Yeah, it, and, and it's not just uh, in those. Uh, there's a, a specifically someone, a, a child who is twelve, who said to me that they went to a church with their mother, and when they went in. They weren't allowed to sit with their with the mother or the siblings. The mother was vaccinated, siblings weren't. But because of their age, they had to exclude them and put them in another room with a TV where they could watch what was going on in church. They could watch the message. And the child just said, oh, well, I just walked out of the church and went out front. Like, that's what I did. I just sat out there by myself. So uh, we're seeing this uh, across sectors of society now. We're seeing this discrimination that this government has yep yep that's what it is what it is has been very excitedly very mm. happy to uh inflict this a government who said that they're not for discrimination a government who says they sh you should be tolerant liars uh, to the from the top down was care, what we're seeing care that. for care others for be kind mm. yeah, be uh, well her kind apparently which is mm. not a good kind uh, and no. i equate that to being nice and if you look up the etymology of the word nice what you'll find is it means foolishness or dumb mm. so she wants us all to be dumb in the face of this truth this reality of of what we're in now which is uh speaking truth in a time of universal deception is an act of revolution so mm. how dare someone come out and say what is real we're speaking with board-certified pharmacist Shane Chafin. We'll be back in a moment. My name is Dr. Christina Parks. I received my PhD in cellular and molecular biology right here in the state of Michigan from University of Michigan Medical School. So I'm very well-versed in the science of both these mRNA gene therapy vaccines. And the fact that this is extremely complex science that has been oversimplified in the media to basically take away our freedom of choice. Do the vaccines for COVID prevent transmission? No. can't take what's normally a decade-long process for developing a product and ensuring its safety and efficacy and compressing it into six to nine months and not cut some corners. That's just absurd. That's exactly what you were saying, Shane. Yeah, yeah, You just yeah, can't, just do, can't it. do it. No, it's and that not. Was, um, that was Malone. And wh wh why was Malone? Why is he so famous, Dr. Robert Malone? Uh, What's he done? How does he know anything? He, <laughs> he's just the developer <laughs> of mRNA platform uh, technologies. <laughs> Just that. Oh, oh, I suppose he would know a little a thing or two. But he's yeah. he's he's had a, he's an, he's a nutcase, isn't he? He's uh, he's vaccinated like all the other doctors that that were once great before two thousand and twenty. That is correct. Uh, yeah. He's an interesting guy. I've I've watched him for quite some time, and you, usually Peter McCulloch was the guy who was out in front, and mm. he went on the Joe Rogan experience, and since then 
the I don't know if it was just the timing and, and all this other information coming out about around the, the falsities of, of the COVID narrative, but he seemed to just be the domino that pushed it all over. And it's it's not stopping. It's it, his words and his presence are powerful and uh, just palpable and felt around the world now. So this very if you watch him talk, he, he's he's the, one of the most unanimated he's people I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 Very good. Um, Spotify under pressure. Um, someone's going to walk away from Spotify now. Who is it? Some old rocker from way back. He's one foot in the grave anyway. Keep on rocking in the free no world. great loss. Yeah, what's his name? Neil Young. <laughs> Neil Young, eh? You can't remember. Neil Young. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he he thinks that he that he thinks that he he could pull more more uh, listeners on Spotify than Joe Rogan and he's putting pressure on Spotify, isn't he? Yeah, to to, um, to, um, to cancel Rogan because, because of the Malone interview. Yeah, my understanding is the Joe Rogan experience contract that was signed with Spotify was 100 million dollars. So that's not an investment I can see them backing out of before they you know, they uh, claim whatever off of it that, that the royalties that they're going to get off of that. So I, I think Neil Young is is quite past his prime as as far as a, an influencer in popular culture to be making such. <laughs> yep, unreal. Um, so I, I did want to answer. So, I did want to answer one of your questions. though. you? You said it from. You C- didn't want to. I I did. You said I'm oh, you did. Cincinnati, Ohio, and you. I was going to just bring that up. Yeah. Oh, right. mm. uh, so uh, what what uh, what? How did that work? And how did I become to to want to be a healthcare provider and a pharmacist? Well, I grew up in very poor straits um, with food lack, not scarcity, uh, for quite uh, days at a time in my existence. I was homeless for a short bit at one point. I was transient for quite a while um, in my teenage years, and. What I did with that is say, okay, where is something better in society? Because I didn't grow up in good places. And how can I benefit society? So when I looked around, I said, well, uh, the people who seem to be more knowledgeable seem to be the one, uh, tend to be the ones who are doing better in society. So uh, I thought, well, you know, I, I'll aim toward understanding how all this works. And universities seem to be the place to find some of those answers. So, you know, I, I worked my way up through some different jobs. I was a high school dropout at the time and I got into a job that had tuition reimbursement and I decided that I would, you know, put my oar in the water in university. And when I went back, I had to complete three years of what we call high school. You guys call college, um, at at something like we, we termed Bearcat high, but it was actually university, uh, the university college, I believe. And so I went through that and then I went into a proper college, the uh, uh, McMicken College and Arts and Science College at the University of Cincinnati and then went into the science programs and competed directly with med students uh, during that time for those two, three, I think it was three years I, I did that in and then got into the University of Cincinnati College of Pharmacy. And, and decided that healthcare was the thing I wanted to do because maybe that was the, the best place where I could impact people's lives in a positive way from what I had grown up in and, and seen. And I thought, well, you know, where can I give back? So it was healthcare for me. And So uh, you would drop out at, at the start. start. You, you, yep. you were obviously disinterested in education. Well, not disinterested. I uh, was in a situation where I um, – was homeless and parentless oh, I see. as a teenager. Yeah. So um, I, I, yeah, I did quite well when I was younger in school. They wanted to advance, advance me past some of the, 
like skip years and that sort of thing. So I did well. But when I got to university, excuse me, uh, high school, that the, the, the social part of my life, so to speak, is what they call it now, became just unsustainable. So I went and got a job. And uh, out of that job, I went and got a better job and you know, created uh, some sort of stability around that space and then went into university. Oh, dead air. Lost, lost you. <laughs> am, I, am I still here? Oh, but went into, yeah, university, still here. went into university at that point. Um, actually did prereqs for a master's degree in nursing as well while I was in there and learned quite a bit just about society, how it was built, took roots, uh, class like roots of the industrial revelation, revolution rather to, to figure out how it all got here, how it sustained, you know, what makes, what pulls the levers, who turns the gears or what turns the gears and, and took economics and, you know, this, just a general sort of arts, you know, arts and science, but mm. a general degree. So I could just learn about where everything was from and, and got interested, very interested in politics during that time. And so that's my love for political science as it is currently. Mm. But uh, what I'm saying is, is you're, you're not allowed to have a political opinion and freedom of speech. in uh, in 2021, 2022, how dare you have a political opinion and be an expert of some sort in an area that's contradictory to the narrative that is being pushed by big mm. corporations and also big governments. So wh what I'm saying is a, a bit of a collision of worlds, which when I went to university, there was no problem with that. None whatsoever. There How long at university? university? Eight years. I've got to ask you this. Eight, Eight years. Wow. That's just like a doctor, isn't it? Yeah. Well, like I said, the first three years were completing all that I didn't do at, at, I mean, two years of, of math, you know, from basic math mm. up to calc, I think three is where I ended. So, mm. and, and, and statistics, by the way, in there as well. So just, how long, how long does it take to become board certified? Uh, board certification is an interesting uh, role, if I'm remembering everything, or is interesting uh, attainment, because you have to be practicing. I think it's four years. You have to be uh, so many hours of that practice in a clinical role, and then you should study for at least a year. And then you'd sit for a five-hour exam. And so that's, 40, that's, yeah. so that's, um, so that's eight, eight, nine, ten, nine, ten eleven, twelve, thirteen 13 years before you can even sit the five-hour exam. Yep, yep. And 40% of people in the, mm. the year I took it failed. But, you, but remember, though, uh, in New Zealand, you must ask a person who's got a diploma or a degree in communications before you can speak out about your own industry. Yeah, I do understand that, which is why mm, I tried to consult that. that person November 2nd in Calicalo, but she was having that. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm embarrassed, actually. It's um, it's a crazy, it's not just us, though, is it? It's the whole world. Yeah, it's, it's, where do you think? It's a, globe, it's a, mm, it's a global event that's occurring. And mm. what, what I'm saying is, is, and that's, it, yeah, I can speak to some of the details and, and I'm happy to uh, at, at different points about COVID and COVID response and studies. But what it falls down on now is it's just freedom. And that's uh, where I'm at today with mm. the, the pharmacy council saying that they can control what I say. Well, how dare they? Who do, mm. Just exactly who do you think you are that you can tell a private person? What they can, what political opinions they can and can't have, and whether they can ask a politician certain questions without being threatened. I mean, this is an absurdity of absurdities. I mean, there's the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act that they just decided to trample all over that, and mm. the evidence is in the letter they sent me. 
They couldn't care less. They are a, a, an entity of the crown, an attachment of that of the crown, and this is what they're doing to people. So it just tells you that we slipped out of science and medical science, and what we slipped into is tyranny, because these are now petty tyrants. And I'm not the only pharmacist they've gone after, by the way. They've gone after other ones too. And do you think there's a lot that want to speak out? Yeah, I, th- I do think, think mm. there's a lot. They're in, uh, they're in NZDSOS. There's a group of pharmacists in there. Mm. So they're, yeah, and they'd love to speak out, but they, they're afraid of, you know, they're coming after their livelihoods. Mm. The way I see it is maybe more of an American approach. I'm not sure. But what I think is, is I say, well, if you're at the stage at which you're afraid to speak out, then you need to stop fighting for your profession and start fighting for your freedom. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got a friend who's a pharmacist. I think he owns, well, the last time... I heard he owned about four pharmacies. I think it's probably a, a half a dozen now, at least half a dozen. And he knows it's a crock, but he's he can't afford to speak out. He can't afford. He owns six pharmacies and he can't afford. No. Is that true? He's, they'll take his license off him. He's got a, he's got a lot at stake. What, what, does it, probably, what does he have at stake? His freedom? His future? <laughs> he doesn't think – he doesn't see it that way. He's got a multi-million-dollar you know, – yacht and he just wants he just he just wants to live in la la land i think and just just live his happy happy life and well, hope it all goes away well, but but he sends me stuff and uh you know he knows it's rubbish well what about the what about the, the anzacs nonsense. who fought and died for freedom in know. the past does he not give what does he do with that does he stand up and honor know. them once a year and then go back and dishonor them by not standing up he might be listening to this podcast. I tried to get him on, but um, no, he runs. He runs a mile. He won't talk about it. Yeah, and what he doesn't want to fight. And, and what we, be too late when he wants to fight. And what we need are fighters because the, yeah. the reality is, and I sat with a group of people, and and some of these people were very moneyed. And I said to them, I said, in three to five years, if you don't take steps to stop what is happening, to destroy this narrative, to wake the people up, to cause the populist uprising, that that gets rid of this, this issue, what's your money worth? And they all said nothing. And I said, Mm. well, what exactly do you have to lose then? And the answer is nothing and everything. Mm. So the, the people who established the United States, they said, you know, that they were, they were pledging to forego their, their lives and their livelihoods and their sacred honor. Mm. We need those people back now. We need, we need the, the freedom fighters in the world. We, we have some of them. Not, not, don't get me wrong. We do have uh, some very good people in New Zealand, but we need more. We need more people to stand up and speak out. And we're seeing some of that. Uh, we're seeing some of that in the business sector because the, there's a lot of the business people now are saying, you know what? I did what I was supposed to do. I was a good little boy or girl and I got the shots and I got all my people. I fired the people who didn't get the shots and all my other staff were vaccinated and they said it would return to normal, but now they want us to do boosters and they are wildly unhappy about this. Hmm. So we, what, what do you think will happen this year? Do you think we'll, do you think we'll win? Uh, I, I think, do you think we'll, we'll like, I feel like we're close to, it's close to all blowing apart for them. I say 2022 is for the, the, for the 2022 is the year of the boomerang. It's the year that their, hmm. their narrative falls apart. They're going to have to do something like what history shows out like a Caesar or somebody would do. So they're going to have to find a group to vilify even more because the narrative is dying and they know it is. It's just mm. not working like it used to. And we're seeing from, 
you know, l- less than positive vaccinations for booster and, and for kids that it, it's just not working anymore. So they're going to have to create something. Gotta, who knows what they'll do? It's usually if your domestic situation isn't going well, then you find some offshore enemy, some bogeyman like Russia or whoever it might be, China. And then you distract your people and unify them around your cause that way so they don't lose faith. So that's, the, that's what history shows. So I'm guessing, you know, we'll venture somewhere there. We're sort of seeing that saber rattling going on between Russia and Ukraine right now. And I, I say people just just stay focused, you know, stay domestic with with what your politics are. Because, yeah, that's right. We can't help the whole world, can we? Well, it's not even that we, we can't help the whole world. It's that Russia and uh, NATO can handle themselves. That has nothing to do with us anyway. Mm. And, and there was agreement. I can't remember the name of the treaty that was signed between Russia and the West when the Berlin Wall went down, and they said, you know, we'll never encroach on these these eastern uh, states of the former Soviet states. We won't move uh, these weapons in. They completely just went against that in the West, and now they're they're literally on the border of Russia. I'm not a big Russophile, and as Klaus Schwab recently said uh, on film, that Vladimir Putin is a graduate of the global young leaders. He's one of those people. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm, it makes I'm, me think all the saber rattling. Is just just a smokescreen, just a red herring to get us away from the real issue, which is this vaccine rollout in the mandate. Because only the government can protect you from the bogeyman. Just like in the eighties when I grew up, and I was in school, you know, a, a child with 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 other people, other children, and they said, you know, if if the if the nuclear sirens go off, you know, it sounds like a fire call in New Zealand. The sirens go off. Hmm. What you need to do is get under your desk. And we put the your head on the floor. It's this is just instilling fear in a population, as if that's going to save you from nuclear blast or glass blowing, whatever. Like mm. this is a joke. And it Ours was with earthquakes. Fear. Actually, they used to oh, say the same. Get under your desk. <laughs> yeah. So, so only the government knows how to protect you from this. Mm. So you need to put faith there. But that's mm. that's not the way that that works, especially in America, where we have a system mm. that is set up in government that's supposed to fight against itself, an executive, a legislative, and a judicial that aren't supposed to be on the same sides and the same teams. They're supposed to be fighting each other. And we that tension's built there because it benefits the people. The government in the United States is supposed to be or was set up to restrain the government, not the people. And so in, in New Zealand... I think it's time that we start looking at a different set of circumstances for the people here, something that benefits the people more and the government less, gives less control to the government and more control to the people in their own lives. And that's a constitution, which uh, one Brad Flutie, with the help of some others, has has written a constitution, is finalizing different mm. pieces of that. Mm. Have so you I, read it? I, I've read the old version of it. I haven't read the mm. the. the the updated version for Article mm. One. So I'd like I'd like to have a read of it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Mm. Um, so, where, so how long ago did you come to New Zealand, Shane? Big pause. You muted yourself, you muted yourself Shane. Oh, I think it was All Hallows Eve in 2013. No, sorry, I missed all of that. You you must have muted yourself accidentally. Am I here again? So, so, yeah, you're here again. Yeah. When did you come to New Zealand? Uh, Halloween, yeah, yeah, two thousand and thirteen. And what attracted you to our country? Well, the political situation in the U.S. just seemed to be falling apart. 
seemed to be very divisive. We had government behaving in ways that it hadn't before. And I thought, well, I'll look, I'll look for another place to land. Somebody, I was talking about this with uh, somebody I worked with and they said, mm. they said, oh, have you looked at New Zealand? And I said, no. And unlike most, uh, most people in the U S we don't think, I didn't think it was part of Australia. And so <laughs> I looked at, you know, maybe there's a closer place because Canada, you know, we border Canada and Ohio. And I thought, well, maybe I'll just go to one of the provinces, Canada. And very glad I didn't do that. Uh, but it was harder to get into Canada than it was to get into New Zealand. New Zealand just basically opened its arms, says we have a pharmacist shortage. Come down and take this three-hour test. And it wouldn't let me wouldn't let me take it in America. I could go to England and take it, or I could come to Australia or New Zealand. So I, I flew down. And I thought I failed it miserably and went back to the States. And uh, I, I think it was about a month or so later, con the pharmacy counselor contacted me and said, yep, you did it. So get a job here and, and come on down. That was it. So you were brilliant then brilliant until Kawakawa, until you asked Cinderella <laughs> <Yeah>. Dern <laughs> what the, um, yeah. the, the infection fatality rate is of COVID-19. That was a very silly thing to ask. No, you've ruined your career. <laughs> and I say that, you know, my career's worth nothing anyway if mm. there's not freedom. I think it was Benjamin Franklin who was quoted saying, wherever freedom is, there is my country. And, and I'd like to get you together with my friend who's a pharmacist who owns a, a, a half a dozen stores. You know, he needs to listen to you. Uh, he, well, he could listen mm. to the podcast, I'm sure, mm. and, and, and yeah. find me at Revolution Media New Zealand on mm -hmm. Telegram. On Telegram, Telegram. yeah. Now, now, you get paid quite a bit being a pharmacist, don't you? You've you've sacrificed a lot to to make a stand for the truth and freedom. Well, it depends on where you're at. Uh, you get paid as a, mm. a relative turn in the United States. I think my salary was about five times what the average salary was in the state, not household, but uh, individual earner. Mm. In New Zealand, because it, inflation is so high and things uh, cost so much, you make a good wage. You do, but it doesn't really benefit you as much. And I mean, not at all. You don't get. Um, much respect here for your uh, your professional uh, the doctors when and I, I'm not bashing on doctors because there's a mm. lot of great doctors but a lot of times they'll when you save them from making a mistake that could hurt or kill a patient then they're your friend but if you're bothering them about something else then you know you're sort of blown off as just a pharmacist even if you're, that's what people uh, forget isn't it you're a you're a you're a you make sure that doctors don't kill people my my job being hired by the DHB was to help doctors in general practice prescribe medications safely and appropriately. Mm. That's what they hired me for. So now the, the people that the, the person, the DHB has hired to do that is now the guy who doesn't know anything about doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you and Zelenko and Malone and, um, uh, the head of Pfizer, what was he? Vice president of Vice Pfizer. President. He's now an idiot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yet he was brilliant, a brilliant doctor. A great doctor, one of the greats, and now they're all they're all nutbags, nut jobs. Well, I, according I, to the government, I think you're right. That 2022 is going to be the year of their fail, and I think they know mm, it's coming so. too. I think they can see the writing on the wall. I mean, we've got reports today that uh, Justin, or as I call him, Justinda Trudeau, <laughs> is now hiding away from the truckers' rally because his uh, fully vaccinated self. He says he now has has COVID, so he won't be around for the truckers' rally that is heading his way on the. 29th. That was handy. That was handy. Yes, mm. and 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 that's what you see. You, these people are cowards. 
I don't, I don't know if the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab and the Global Young Leaders say, whatever you do, be a coward. And when you're faced with opposition from the people that you are oppressing, run. So they, it's like that Irish proverb, better be a coward for a day than dead for the rest of your life sort of thing. Hmm. They, they seem to have taken that on board. And Jacinda turned tail and went away to the bathroom when I asked her some questions. She clearly wasn't feeling all that threatened because she hang around, hung around for a bit, talked to that reporter and then left. So if anybody's building up that she was scared and threatened, well, she clearly wasn't. And that's on film. So don't no. try. Mm. But if we look at what happened to her in Pahia, I was just going to say this. What did they yeah. do? Up on the footpath, up on the sidewalk, could have been somebody there walking their baby. Just boom, let's go just right through that. You know, so that, that, ha they did that and ran away. They and, ran. And, yeah, can you imagine if that was the, the, the states? They wouldn't run. They'd hop out of the car with their guns and say, <laughs> "Stand back." I don't mean that. What my point is is these politicians are just getting out of the way of any criticism that they have caused. And her Jacinda's comments in that regard are, you know, well, it's just because I'm a decision maker, and you know, people are going to be like that. And I, yeah, she said, even said that she didn't feel threatened by that situation. And, and I'm happy for them to come out and start to crucify these people because clearly from the film, we could tell that these are not Pui and she's in their part of the world mm -hmm. and in their land. And they didn't consent. They didn't go under under what this crown entity was. And and if she wants to go and attack attack Maori and Naipui, Naipui well, you go right ahead, sweetheart. That's mm. great. Let's see how that works out for you. Go and attack minorities because that's what you say that you're there to protect. But clearly they don't feel protected by you unless you're feeding them hundreds of millions of dollars. There was a court case yesterday. I think it was Wellington. How did the, Have you heard how that went on? They're trying to stop the 5 to 11-year-old rollout? No, no, I haven't heard any reporting that has actually come out of the proceedings. All, mm. The only thing I've seen is that, uh, yeah, that's currently under. So we had, we're still none the wiser. But the, the, the court systems didn't work prior when no. Sue Gray, to, I mean, even if they did, I shouldn't say it that way. Even if she Sue Gray won the case, it didn't matter because they would just go back, change legislation and, and push through whatever they wanted to yeah. uh, at the parliamentary level, at the cabinet level, actually. So and parliamentary. So it doesn't matter. The courts aren't going to be of that great of assistance to anything that's happening right now. So. Uh, you, my my goal is to make people lose faith in the institutions that used to be that were once great. Um, now, mind you, there is some backstory to that that Brad Flutie talks about, but they at least serve the population in a certain way that made people believe that you know you could get some sort of remedy, some justice for what happens that's unjust. But we're past that stage, so the people need to lose faith in this government, and they need to lose faith in their corporations. So that's and that's where I, I think we stand currently. Now, what I don't want to see is, you know, Klaus Schwab go, oh, yes, this is what exactly we are talking about. They need to lose their faith in these and, and embrace what we have. No, we don't want what you have, Klaus. Mm. We don't want what you say, which is uh, to quote you that we will own nothing and we will be happy while you own everything. I won't, so be, happy. I won't be happy. No, we'll be controlled is what we'll be. We won't be happy. Mm. And he wants us to. I think eat bugs was somewhere in his book, the great reset. I got it right. If I remember right. And, uh, you know, drink the recycled urine. This, this is what this mad and not eat man, you know, no meat. And this is what this madman is on about. So yeah. we don't want that. We'll take, we'll take more of an approach of Brad Flutie with a constitution that serves the people as sovereign. So yeah, that's, uh, I think those are sort of next, next goals. I wouldn't say next steps, but those are, 
th- that's a goal that we need to embrace. Mm. Larry said he wants to know if you'll prescribe Jacinda with some antipsychotic remedy. He said he'll cover the cost. <laughs> well, I'm not a prescribing pharmacist, so I can't do that. Uh, clinical. <laughs> mm. So uh, there are prescribing pharmacists, out, a few of them around I'll New Zealand. My mate, my mate <laughs> would be happy to do it. Oh, um, somebody else said in the chat uh, that they ordered. I said, is that New Zealand? He said, yes, in New Zealand. Um, where are we? If I can find it. He ordered a whole lot of ivermectin. What do you think about ivermectin? Because my pharmacist friend two years ago said, oh, it's rubbish. It's sheep dip. You put, you know, it's sheep drench. That's no good. He laughed at me. Well, first of all, I'm going to handle that specific statement. And and ivermectin is, is uh, used in veterinary medicine, but it's had, uh, I think it's one point some billion doses given to humans since it was approved. Humans. Mm. So that's just absurd. I mean, it's, it's, it was uh, an antiparasitic that was used to prevent blindness in parts of Africa. So, so that's, it, this, it's won a Nobel Prize 2015 for its development, uh, the gentleman in Japan who cr- helped create it. So you look at this and you go, well, that's just disinformation. And if you want to talk about disinformation, misinformation, disinformation, that's one of those that the you saw the media in New Zealand say, oh, this is, you know, this is a cow. This is for cows and this is for horses. Well, I hate to tell you, media, paid off media hounds this. The, the head of Pfizer is a veterinarian, Bara. So when I hear horse products and horse drugs, well, why aren't you calling the vaccine a horse drug if the head of Pfizer, Pfizer is a veterinarian? There's a, there's a bit, bit of hypocrisy going on there. Ivermectin yeah. has, has some studies that show that it actually does work. Mm. It does. It has some randomized control trials. It has, uh, it has meta-analysis also of studies that say that, you know, there's probably some use. But outside of that, the epidemiological information that comes from places that have done widespread distribution of ivermectin has shown that it actually does work. And so there's a few different places in the world. One of them is India, and that they did roll it out in a population of over 200 million people. And in that province of India, yeah, it, it virtually disappeared. Uh, the, the, the virus virtually disappeared. And uh, I think it was 36, 36 of the counties it did, and the rest of them, it was uh, yeah, very scary. Good. Earlier in the chat, in fact, I'll ask Southern Dad if he's still there to come and talk to us. Um, he ordered some ivermectin, a stack of it from X India. Um, Metsafe sent him a letter informing him that essentially it's very sought after, but untried and dangerous, all to be destroyed if left 30 days without a doctor's script. Now, how would you like to be the doctor that gave you a script for that? You would be hounded, wouldn't you? Uh, you'd be much maligned by the the institutions that be, even though you're not breaking, you're not actually breaking any rules. MedSafe has released statements and they just keep releasing the same statement when they do their updates for pharmacists and general practice, stating that ivermectin is, you know, sort of what you just said there, but mm. dangerous. That's an interesting thing to say about a medication that has over a billion doses used in humans. And if you look at the safety data around it, it's really, really good as relative to other medications. So it's got a good safety profile as well. Now, what they might say is in COVID patients, this is just more semantics because mm. if we look at if we look at what they did with the vaccine, 
If we look at what they did with the childhood vaccine, Pfizer did a study. They released a guidance document to the FDA. And I think there was 1,500 children in their, in their study, in their trial. And the guidance document to the FDA said, this study is not powered enough to basically find or tell the story of the role that myocarditis will play because of mass vaccination of children. So it didn't have enough children in it, they said. And it also wasn't a long enough study. Now that sounds very familiar. So they didn't do the study long enough to figure out. So it's not powered to seek out myocarditis. Yet these, these medicines are being rolled out on the market. And you have something like ivermectin, who is now what is now demonized, and they use the same excuse that they implemented with the vaccination to justify not giving it. But it's the, but it's the same story as what they gave with the that they approved it, even with the vaccination the way it is. So the, the so there's some hypocritical stuff going on there. But what we haven't talked about in a while is hydroxychloroquine because ivermectin has taken the yeah, role. It's taken a vaccine, isn't it? But there was a journal article put out. I think it was JAMA. Somebody could correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. Uh, shortly after Trump, you know, was leaving, and it said, "Oh, actually, hydroxychloroquine does have use." And it was a major, a major medical journal. That's why I said I think it was JAMA, but it could have been American Medical Journal, whatever it is. So that came out, but that's because Orange Man bad, you know. And like I said, yeah. not a fan of the Orange Man with what he's done with this COVID. Been very, very critical of his role in this. So I want to make that clear. P- pushing but, the vaccine. But seemingly exonerated on hydroxychloroquine. Mm. Well, they, in Africa, they, it's just tablets. In fact, if you were traveling, you had hydroxychloroquine tablets, didn't you, for malaria? If you're going to countries where you, you could get malaria. And in Africa, I think they had these tablets every Sunday. They used to call them Sunday, Sunday tablets. Very, very dangerous, probably, at the level of an ivermectin, wouldn't you say? Sorry. I don't know. Um, now, what, what's the story with zinc? People are saying you have to use zinc with um, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, well, do you know much, do you know this much is Zev Zelenka who says that zinc is an ionophore, which means it opens cellular membrane, creates a channel, and that's what you need to pour the zinc in to go ahead and stop viral replication. So zinc plays that role of stopping the viral viral replication, but you've got to get it into the cell. And there are some studies uh, specifically for SARS-1 after they had their release that the CCP admitted to, to the World Health Organization that they did have a release out of the Beijing Institute of Virology. And what they did was they took zinc and they showed that zinc does stop viral replication that's out there. The, um, there's also a chloroquine product, as I recall as well, that they that they studied and, and showed some efficacy with that. So this is the story about Zevzelenko and, um, and zinc. So yeah, zinc is the, I think he says zinc is the bullet and uh, hydroxychloroquine is the gun. If I right. remember. Is it. that like with saline? You, you, it's, it's pretty much sugary water, isn't it? With a touch of salt. And it's the salt, and it's the salt that, that helps, make, helps it do its action. Is that right? I got that right. Uh, saline is usually 0.9% and it's saline. Yeah, that's usually what it is. Just yeah. So, oh, okay. So it's not just sh- sugary water. There's a bit of salt in it. Uh, we do have we do have uh, those products as well, but I don't believe. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. You've um, you've enlightened me. So we're none the wiser as to what's happened with the um, 
the court case yesterday. Oh, um, there's a rumour out that Jacinda's bought a million-dollar vaccine-making machine for New Zealand to start producing its own vaccines. Do you do you know anything about that? Uh, I'm, I am not aware. Of, no. I have not heard that what, at okay. all. Yeah. I don't even know what a vaccine-making machine is. That's, that's um, according to Max. Max reckons he's got some inside info on that. Yeah, perhaps you might, like, might like to tell us. Would you take a call from Max? Yes, Let's see if he's available. Shouldn't take too long. We'll be back with Max. Oh, here's Max. Hi, Max. Hey, mate. Tell us about this, tell us about this vaccine-making machine. You've got us baffled. Um, there was an article on it uh, through one of the news um, media uh, on Facebook. Is it, is, it a, yesterday. is it a mainstream media? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw it on yeah, and just thought, what the... F- um, <laughs> Family show. just Thanks. going over the top more and more now just to try and wear people into the ground just uh, to get the sheeple following him more and more. But no, it stated that um, she's bought it a uh, million dollar uh, so that New Zealand can start producing its own vaccines. Crazy. Oh, oh, great. And will she, will she be in charge of it? I don't know, but the <laughs> thing is, I, what I've sort of come to the conclusion, well, sort of in my mind now is, um, is this just a smokescreen? She's got some machine there because New, New Zealand's are pretty much bankrupt, run out of the kitty, the, run out of money. Is she got this machine so that she can propose for New Zealand to start making its own vaccines uh, in our or mRNA vaccines, and is she going to, under the counter, bump up New Zealand's debt by getting more vaccines coming in and putting a New Zealand label on them and then put them out to the public? You would have thought she'd have a, that contract with Pfizer would be pretty rock solid and she wouldn't be able to do that because I've heard other contracts where they can't, if a, if, a, if a better medicine comes up to treat this, they can't use it, even if they want to. But is she, because New Zealand's run out of money now, yeah. You're saying that they haven't got enough money to get a, a fourth booster. Is she going to like get the vaccine from Pfizer, bring it into New Zealand, and put New Zealand's stamp on it and say that New Zealand's producing oh, it, and just take the loan out uh, and bump up New Zealand's um, borrowing under the table? Oh, I see. So oh, that'll be interesting to watch. What do you think about that, Shane? Thanks, um, thanks for that, Max. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to have to read more up on um, read up on what that is a bit more, just to figure out you know all the all the details. But uh, it is wor- noteworthy that Bill Gates is quoted as saying that vaccines were one of his, I think he said best investment because it's a twenty to one return. So it is. That's what he said. Yeah. Said, yeah. Money and power push things around uh, throughout the world. So yeah, uh, it's not out of the. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've got that. I've got um, Bill Gates saying just that. There's been over a 20 to 1 return. If you had put that money into an S&P 500 and reinvested the dividends, you'd come up with something like $17 billion, but you think it's $200 billion. Here, yeah. You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly, highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really, really good against variants. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. Get your first shot, and when you're due for your second, get your second shot. Our key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no 
uh, infection going on whatsoever. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized, you're not going to be in an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. If you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. But what they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new, new way of doing the vaccine. The level of virus in the nasopharynx of a person who's vaccinated and infected is the same level as the level of virus in the nasopharynx of an unvaccinated person. Reports from our international colleagues, including Israel, suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early. And if you look at Israel, mm -hmm. which has always been a month to a month and a half ahead of us, they are seeing a waning of immunity, not only against infection, but against hospitalizations and to some extent death. The booster might actually be an essential part of the primary regimen that people should have. The plan is for every, every adult to get a booster shot. Uh, clearly one of the best investments uh, I've ever been involved in. There you go. Follow the money. The boomerang. That's the great boomerang. Well, you got to be careful. He's yeah. dead. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. I've enjoyed this chat. Um, I'm going to go out with uh, Tucker Carlson. Hey, is there anything else you, you think we need to know about before you before you depart us and get back to you to work? Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's probably the, uh, this message is that the world is in a situation we're seeing the COVID narrative and the Omicron specifically narrative collapse in other countries. And we're seeing them, you know, as Jacinda Ardern said, more of your freedom uh, is returning. But uh, we're seeing a pop populations in different part of the world literally rise up, push back physically, as well as just in protest form. And it's getting a bit dicey for the people trying to bring in this, quote, great reset. And uh, yeah, we're, we're not in the place we were a year ago or two years ago. We're in a much better spot than we are. But to think that they're not going to just you know, try to double down and triple down, that's what they do because they're following an Alinsky protocol that says push through a negative until you make it a positive. They have a goal. They've been doing this for decades. This is the left, but the left aligned with the right. So Mussolini said that fascism should rightly call corporatism because it's perfect combination of government and private enterprise. Well, we have people who train just into Ardern, the and, and their missions are aligned according to their websites and Klaus Schwab, who's who uses different terms these days, and he doesn't say private enterprise and government. He says private public partnerships. And that is the same thing as Mussolini was mentioning. It's the same thing. So I think we're, even though she's got, you know, Marx's beard, she's wearing Hitler's mustache. And that's what we need to be aware of. So be brave, speak out, and do not comply. Shane Chafin, board certified pharmacist from DC. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, it's we're at a very dangerous moment, Tucker. And, you know, I, I, I'm not exaggerating. I think this is probably the most important appearance I've had with you in the last two years. Um, it is it is completely clear now that uh, the vaccines don't really work at all against Omicron. 
um, in, in, in these highly vaccinated and highly boosted countries, uh, rates of infection are incredibly high and rates of serious disease and death are also rising. The Israelis are predicting that they're going to have more serious cases than they ever had at the peak last year. Um, and, and the idea that we would solve this with another booster is, is just off the charts insane. I have not said this to you before because I'm pretty careful and I'm pretty careful with the data, but these vaccines, these mRNA vaccines, the mRNA COVID vaccines need to be withdrawn from the market now. No one should get them. No one should get boosted. No one should get double boosted. They are a dangerous and ineffective product at this point against Omicron. The spike that they make your body make that you then produce antibodies to is not the Omicron spike. And earlier today, Tony Fauci said, we're not going to give people monoclonal antibody products, because the first generation products, because they don't work against the Omicron spike. The same logic applies to these mRNA vaccines and giving people boosters even if in the very short term it knocks down infection rates, there's a boomerang effect, and that's what they're seeing in all these countries. We are at a dangerous moment, and these products need to be withdrawn. Booster is incredibly important in the response to Omicron. It makes a material difference uh, to uh, the ability of our population uh, to ensure that they are not hospitalized. Omicron has enough mutations. The backbone of it actually looks more like a pre-Wuhan virus from a genetic point of view. It is behaving like a common cold to the point of what Dr. Urso said earlier. It doesn't bind in the lungs like the previous variants did. It doesn't cause the degree of clotting that the scary earlier variants did. It makes a material difference uh, to uh, the ability of our population uh, to ensure that they are not hospitalized. It is behaving like a common cold. It is behaving like a common cold. We are finding that those who have gotten the shots are getting Omicron. The vaccines are negatively effective, meaning you're actually getting Omicron at an enhanced higher rate. Now, there's a reason for this, and this is basic immunology. If you get a shot in your arm, you don't have a tendency to, you, everybody hears about antibodies, but there's a special kind in your tears, your nose, your mouth called secretory IgA. It's little mops in your tears. If you've had a natural infection, you have high levels of secretory IgA, these little mops in your mucosal membranes, and that mops up virus quickly. The virus, from, or I'm sorry, the, the response from the vaccine, you don't get this physiologically. So we are seeing actually the vaccinated carry a high volume of virus because they don't have this secretory IgA. So this false construct from our federal agencies that this is a pandemic and the unvaccinated are spreading is a pathophysiologic lie. The vaccinated are carrying high volumes in their nose, their tears, their mouth of virus because the vaccine does not neutralize in that location of the body where the virus comes in. So this is very important. This is why mandates are absolutely now moot, irrelevant, and out the window and need to go away worldwide like most of the world has done already. Go and get boosted. It's the most important thing you can do to help our health workforce to prevent them from being overwhelmed. Omicron. It is behaving like a common cold, common cold. How would you like to finally have your say? Only time will tell will we go to heaven or hell. But I'm going to tell you this. Well, now's your chance. Give Grant Edwards a call on Saturday night after 8 at Liberty NZ here on Podbean. Because if you want to get right down to it, hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, and I have firearms that I'm ready to 
Join Grant Edwards here at Liberty NZ Podbean. See you then. <laughs> I got a itchy finger and I don't hunt deer. You might have seen in the paper recently that the suicide rate has dropped, which I can't really um, begin to believe given that Auckland's been in lockdown and um, there are police resigning from the police force because they're so traumatised by having to cut down so yes. many hangings. And um, one policeman contacted us and said he's cut down four hang- hangings and one day was his most. And what's happened is the suicide rate has not fallen. The government has, in its great lying wisdom, reclassified suicides as accidental deaths. So suicides are now not called suicides as of last month. They're now called accidental deaths. So the suicide rate will eventually fall to zero because they're no longer classified as suicides. The difference between tyranny and democracy is very simple. When the government knows everything about you, that's tyranny. I know how it is to live in tyranny. When you know everything about your government, that's democracy. So this is just a message to all the haters out there who are attacking me. Now, if you attack Anthony, Dr. Anthony Fauci, you are also attacking science. Because as you know, I am science. You can call me Father Science or Lord of the Psy or Fauci the Science Guy, whatever you call me. When you attack me somewhere in a lab, a beaker explodes and shards of glass shoot into a child's eye whenever you send a mean tweet. So just know that. But you're also attacking people who are hard of seeing and short people. So when you attack me, you are also attacking the midget blind scientist community, the MBS. So I would recommend if you're one of those, take your mask, put it in your mouth and shut up. We need you to stay in your home for a couple weeks. It's for the greater good. We need you to close your business just for a short time. It's for the greater good. We need you to stay home just a little bit longer than two weeks. It's, it's for the greater good. We need you to wear this on your face. It's, it's for the greater good. We need you to wear two of these on your face. It's for the greater good. We need you to inject this into your body. It's for the greater good. We need you to spend the holidays alone. It's for the greater good. You must inject this into your body if you want to feed your family. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop eating that. It's not good for the environment. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop driving your car and flying. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop heating your home so often. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop saying that. It's hurting some people's feelings. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop having children. It's not good for the planet. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop talking about your faith. It's offending people. This is for the greater good. We need to separate you from your children because you're not complying. This is for the greater good. We need to hold you in a facility for a little while for not cooperating. This is for the greater good.
This is a COVID-1984 announcement. But first, a message from our dear leader. To be really clear, we are not making vaccination compulsory. It is not compulsory to be vaccinated, but of course, um, we want everyone to be safe. Uh, we want you to be safe and we want your loved ones to be safe and well. Uh, and so uh, we're absolutely encouraging as many New Zealanders as possible to be vaccinated. The important people at Parliament are hard at work creating new laws and orders that will ensure that no MP, minister, highly placed government official or think tank advisor who suck off the taxpayer's teat will be forced to take the jab. <laughs> But for you stinking masses who work in any of these honourable professions and trades, it's no jab, no job for you. And soon, you'll need your vaccine passport to eat, drink, buy or sell. This kind government will never force you to take the jab, so you are always free to choose to be a serf or a slave. Be brave. Do not comply. 